Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Creative Diaries. Today I'm here with Chloe Kennedy. Hi Chloe, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So we met at the Soho Theatre stand-up comedy course. Yeah. What made you want to do the course? Uh, well, you know this story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Actually. Yeah, um, I was dating, I don't even know, like, can you call it dating? I was dating a comedian, spending a lot of time around his show mm-hmm. and missed it, basically. I kind of got jealous and wanted to do my own stuff, so... Yeah, and and that's like a really generic story. Like a lot of a lot yeah. of the female com- comedians that I know did the same thing. Yeah, that was the crazy bit. In like the first week, how many people had had yeah. experience through dating someone or were currently dating someone yeah. that was a stand-up comedian. Yeah, and the discussion around the problem of dating comedians was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did another course and it was the exact same. Like really? Yeah. Yeah. Like half the course had just dated a guy and then was like, nah. <laughs> Oh, that's mad. I don't know what it is, though, because seeing someone perform, it's a talent uh, that's attractive, or is it like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is. For me, it was being like, oh, I can do that, you know? Yeah. And before that, I hadn't been like, oh, I can do that. Oh. And were you interested in comedy before? Yeah. Like, uh, yes, I know. I don't think I'd ever thought of it, even though I do do comedy because I do improv, so that is a form of comedy. I remember writing comedy sketches in school. Did you ever have to do like school assembly things? Was that just my school? No, I never had to do okay, that. You never did that. So we used to have to do school assembly and they would just give us free reign. <laughs> I think they were just, they didn't know what to do with us. So, and I remember writing a comedy sketch about like old ladies and a bunch of us performed that. And I think it was dire, but um, yeah. yeah. So it's been that. And then I've got a mentor who tried to get me to do like comedy theory. I actually wrote a comedy module oh and taught God. a comedy module before I did any stand up or anything. Yeah, that was fun. I think it is crazy though when you kind of watch someone. Like I was doing like a lot of reviewing, that's why I wanted yeah. to do it. And then I was seeing a lot of comedy and I was thinking, oh God, your friends are like whoever. I just went off on a bit of a tangent there. No, no, I was no, trying to no, think, no, why did I want to get why, into stand up yeah, comedy? Why did you want to do it other than dating someone? Oh, well. I don't know. I always feel guilty because we weren't dating at all, really. But anyway. yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, uh, what's the definition of this? Um, I know someone. Yeah, I know someone that I was trying to support. Yeah, in their stand-up comedy, Free emotional labor. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> and then kind of thought, oh, geez, that. But it did seem like terrifying. That was the one reason I thought I couldn't do it, and that's why I wanted to do it. But yeah, as opposed to thinking maybe I could try it. I think because uh, the course ended up being really good for me. I think because I was going through kind of like a rough patch with like work and a few other things at the time it became like a source to like get things off your chest even though like what I was writing about was actually something different I wrote a lot of stuff about things that were just kind of annoying me yeah yeah so it's more like a therapy (laughs) is uh, that was one thing I loved at the beginning when they were kind of like what annoys people and everybody was like when someone walks really slowly in front of me or when you know everybody gets annoyed by the same thing yesterday yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, people get out of the way. I need to get the tube. 
my defense there was a train and it was like 10 feet and i just couldn't get around them oh i hate when that happens <laughs> well not with that specifically but i had there's always this <laughs> one girl like, in, the, in the like local area that stands right in front of the bus door uh. and then you kind of think she's waiting and then it just closes in anyway what? massive tangent <laughs> <laughs> were your rude. parents creative or are they? That's a I funny one. My mum does a lot of craft work. My, so my parents both argue over whose genes I got in terms of no one in the family really has ever ventured down the like theatre route other than me. My granny's really proud because like, all my cousins do like a range of things. Like So my mum does a load of craft work. My dad's an engineer. I don't know how... Like that has creative elements. It's, it's problem solving. He like has to fit things onto things. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's my knowledge of what he does. <laughs> yeah. So no, not really. But then like they play the drums. There was a lot of music growing up. But no, like in the grand scheme of things. And then like also growing up in Aberdeen, like they hate creative people out there. Like it's and I find that from like people who come from like parts of Wales, maybe parts of Ireland, where you come from like a community where it's like it's like really looked down upon being creative. Really? Just, yeah. Yeah. It's like you you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> there was one guy I had from. Limerick on the podcast where that's where I'm from and he um yeah (laughs) and he he was talking about how he felt like growing up he was a bit of no an out yeah because nobody wanted to get into acting you know what I mean he was like one of the outcasts and then he moved to London and it was the most common thing in the world that suddenly it was shocking I mean what's crazy about where I come from is we actually have like quite a famous musical theatre performer that comes from my school the drama um Scotland has a really weird engagement with drama like Aberdeen where I come from is like has like one of the biggest levels of drama departments in the whole of the UK, which isn't saying much because none of them are high. But the notion that you actually go into it for work or mm-hmm. you go into performance for work is like, it's, yeah, it's like you just don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And then when you meet other Aberdonians who are like working in the arts, it's often like you talk about like how you got out. <laughs> it's like one of the first <laughs> questions was like, how did you make it? <laughs> and how did you make it? My sister, my family had an intervention. <laughs> yeah, my sister t- made me take a day off school. I don't remember why. I just skived school and she took me to the beach and sat me down and was like, don't go study history. I was like, what? And she's like, well, you can go study history, but don't go study it. I always like, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, study drama. So I did. I wanted to apply for like drama schools and the teachers told me not to. <laughs> Thank you for that. They would now. Yeah. And then I went to study at Birmingham. Birmingham is interesting. I hated it because I don't like unis, but, but now I teach at them sometimes. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and then and then went to Central in London, and then now I'm here. Why did you want to continue on? Did you learn much from Birmingham? So I have a skill set of like I'm really good at performance analysis, which is like a weird skill set to boast about. So I would get like firsts for like any essay that was to do with like Stanislavski or like analyzing how people perform, and then I like almost fail the other ones, and it was like a weird yeah. So I learned that I was good at that, and then just but it wasn't really for me, and then. The course at Central was the course that was like like finding myself. I was like, oh no, this is me. Not in an easy way. It was mostly by about the second year where I was like, oh no, this is definitely definitely the right path. But that was a course that was like centered around acting research. So. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What kind of classes did you have? <laughs> oh man, <sighs> everything. We would do different practitioners. We would do like teaching training. We'd do like uh, research areas. It was it's like a really wide ranging course. So you get directors on it, you get like teachers on it, yeah, and then you get researchers, like people who go on and do PhDs in performance theory. Did you audition for a lot of drama schools? No, I just uh, no. People always think I did. No, I didn't. I auditioned for 
just for central oh wow that's amazing yeah it's like a lot easier to get on than like the acting ones okay yeah. <laughs> it's like not the same yeah hmm. and how long has it been since you left i left a year and a half yeah. Oh wow, that's not long at all. No, I've taken a few gap years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's I graduated drama school a year ago as well. Yeah, your one was a year and a half long, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't really well, it was actually quite intensive because it was seven days a week. If you get through <laughs> that because it's two rooms and there was eighteen of us in the year, so it was quite oh, yeah. like a very um specific yeah. God, you have the opportunity to drive each other insane. Yeah. Like, I've never had it's really funny when you train actors. I've never had one group. Basically, all groups tell me that they don't get on that well as much as other groups get on. And it's like this weird thing of like everyone assumes that when you're in an acting class like that, that everyone should be like best friends. And it's like, realistically speaking, if you're spending like six days, nine to five at least, with the same group of people, you're going to fall out. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. I couldn't spend that much time with my family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, no, like it's, no not, it's not normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you need space. <laughs> how did you end up teaching acting? And how, wait, first off, how did you end up getting the placement at RADA? Um, so that's through the course. Um, okay. So our external examiner on the course that I did was the head of MA Lab at RADA. In my second year, actually, Ian Morgan, who was a lecturer on our course, then moved over and started teaching on their course. So there's actually quite a big crossover. I got, I weirdly, they do this thing where they don't, I probably shouldn't, it's like trade secrets, um, they don't let you teach at RADA if you ask to teach at RADA. So I effectively got it because I was just sitting, I cried a lot at that time. Okay. <laughs> and I think um, whenever they would have meetings about like what I was doing and stuff, I would just be sitting there probably crying at some point being like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And then started to really enjoy like devising work because it's like a... It's a devising-based course. It's not classical acting. I love studying classical acting. I love devising so much more, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not like... I don't really enjoy training classical actors in the way that I enjoy training devising actors. Yeah, and then they just let me go over and work. So you work on the biomechanics module. Um, they also let me work on the improv module because I was a specialist in improv by that point. They, they had to sit me down and tell me I was a specialist in improv, actually. Um, <laughs> which was a funny chat, me being like, no, I'm not. And they'd be like, you are, just face it. <laughs> So that was quite good. And then I kind of have a love of that course now and work a lot with people who've done that course hmm. um, on shows, which is fun but hard. <laughs> and low, no pay. So, but it's good. Do you still audition? I've, I don't really audition. I don't really like auditions. I've sat on auditions. I end up saying I've sat on some dodgy auditions as well in my time. I tend to, I find auditions to be really fake. I like, <laughs> I always argue that there are some benefits to nepotism and I like working with people who I know <laughs> because I know what I'm getting involved with. Not that there isn't a benefit sometimes to working with people who can challenge you and who you don't know. So no, I don't really audition. Okay. What are like the main do's and don'ts when you watch an audition? So each drama school is different and it has its own kind of feeling. So if you are going into a drama school and you're like, this vibe is not me, I would suggest listening to it. That's not always the case, but it's definitely something that the teachers notice. Because even though I haven't taught it like every single one, I know quite a lot of teachers at different ones. Um, just by dint of you know the teachers when you teach. Uh, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. things. So we get things like YouTubers coming in and thinking that they're going to get into 
a degree straight away because they're semi-famous. It doesn't really work like that in drama schools. Um, certain drama schools work for different things. So at RADA, they talk a lot about like the journey of the performer. And I often felt they're looking for people who have quite a long-term approach to acting, maybe less than a short term. Um, and they have, and I think that shows in the BA course because they have quite a big age range in comparison to a lot of other courses. There's a course called CDT at Central and they specifically look for like dyslexics and dyspraxic performers, people who are used to and need to work in collaboration but do it differently. I know lots of musical theatre auditions, they're, they're not necessarily, they're often looking for attitude and they're looking for ability to hit certain things in a certain way as opposed to necessarily getting it right. That's quite a big part of that. Yeah, so it kind of depends. There's also an engagement with maturity and like just getting on with the course. Um, so if you... It's not a main thing, but we you do notice if you're sitting in an audition how the people bring someone in. Um, so if the people on the course, because often it's the people who are on the course will uh, ferry people around during the auditions. So if they're bringing in someone who just they seem to mesh and they seem to get on with, then they're probably going to get on well with the rest of the course. Like it's not a big thing, but it's just tiny things that you notice. Just and general maturity, like you get people auditioning who are good, but they're not there maturity wise. Yeah, and then you get people... I've seen some incredible performers audition and they don't get let in. And I question why, but sometimes they think that it's... This person's not ready yet, you know, they're not... They won't handle how difficult it can be sometimes. Sorry, went on. <laughs> no, that's amazing, because that's kind of what it's about anyway, like inspiring, you know, people that want to get into acting. And what advice would you give them? Acting's funny. Training acting's a really funny thing, because you... You learn a lot that's just not kind of general knowledge. I've trained a lot of people who think that they're actors and they inherently hate what acting actually is. They hate becoming someone else constantly. They hate the the boredom that sometimes comes from that because, again, it's that thing of, like, when you're doing something six days a week um, for nine to five, it can get boring sometimes, you know, and they don't have an interest in engaging in the characterization. And what you find is that they're actually a writer or they're a stand-up comedian or they're an improviser, but acting was the thing that they could connect with at that point in time and they should be there it's not that they shouldn't so that's an interesting thing of sometimes you're training people to act and it's like you are fundamentally not an actor because you, it's in your being you just you don't want it and you want to do other kinds of performance what a lot of people don't understand about acting training as well is that it's we think we tend to refer to acting as being like one thing and it's not so like if you're studying like natural what what we phrase as being naturalistic acting that changes quite a lot mm. so if you're to look at like what seems to be natural from like 10 years ago maybe it's more obvious if it's like 50 years ago they thought that was naturalistic acting and we look back on it now and we're like what is that like that's not um and if you go across different continents so the way americans act and the way that canadians act um, and australians in the uk because the western people do kind of connect up we act in different ways and then we each complain about the other continent being like oh they're really like a lot of people find our acting to be really like boring mm. <laughs> like americans coming over there just like guys this is really boring stuff yeah. what are you doing yeah so finding as an actor coming in like what you need to understand is that your acting process is yours like there's no a lot of you get a lot of teachers who are like this is the way to act and it doesn't really work like that and it's often in relation to how so you can connect acting theory to how people process information so if they're like a list learner or they're dyslexic or they're dyspraxic will impact their acting and a lot of them doing really well as an actor is actually about just getting them in the right context for performing um, so getting them on a course where they tend to teach in the way that this person tends to act mm. is actually much more important than being at like the biggest school sometimes, um, which people don't realise. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like looked out for that a little when I was auditioning. So mm. I specifically went for a drama school that let like different age ranges in mm. because I don't know. I was only twenty one at the time, but I wanted to go somewhere with a bit of a mature crowd because yeah. I definitely didn't want like a bitchy kind of drama school year when you're going to be spending all all this time with people. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. You you'll get years where they're really bitchy and years where they're really not. And sometimes teachers will turn around and be like, "What happened to this year group? Like, we don't know." But yeah, no, I definitely think there's a benefit to having a range, age range, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you teaching anywhere at the moment? No, not really. Um, I've got a teaching job coming up. I tend to get kind of teaching jobs where someone needs to be filled in. I'm right down at the very bottom of the teaching pile. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because these are like pretty big places, you know, that you have in your CV now. Yeah, they are. I think they, they look more impressive than, like, you're going in and covering a class and stuff, or you'll be, like, on their books as, like, a visiting teacher yeah. type thing. So it's and ha- has there been any, like, anyone that's stood out to you? Like, my drama school teacher's claim to fame, is, I don't know. Is <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, everyone's like, got one. <laughs> yeah, is that he taught Tom Hardy. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. Um, ev- Like, ev- all ta- drama teachers have a claim to fame, like, all of them. It's very hard to not have one i remember there's a girl i remember in an edition that i did who didn't get in and i thought she was phenomenal and i know she hadn't gotten into somewhere else because she told me but i really love her style of acting so the people who become successful actors is often one not necessarily who people would expect sometimes it really is who people expect but it's because of them being character-wise a certain way or something yeah in terms of people who stand out it often surprises you so I've ended up working more with people who I wouldn't expect to when I was teaching them afterwards but there was something there so like maybe when I was teaching them they were going through something and you could tell that there was something off in the classroom but there was a maturity of their behavior and then I like that so yeah yeah, it's it's not as straightforward as it sounds Okay. When you were talking about how people have to um, have to act, I don't know. Is that the way you felt about stand up? What point did you just want to kind of make the leap? Had you performed any stand up before the Soho Theatre yeah. course? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. I did a Birmingham rap with Joe Lysett. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's insane. Um, yeah, that was just me getting lucky, and then I dined on that. I dined out on that story for about a year afterwards well tell me the story (laughs) no it was just a course it was a course with a company called women of theater one of the people running the course is a comedian called karen and she's quite good friends with joe and he was on the up i think by that point yeah and so he just kind of compared and i they just got lucky with the birmingham rep slot as well that was a funny time though so i was living in a flat with the head of with the president of the comedy society in birmingham because um, I was my flatmate and they were all comedy girls that I was living with so it was that was kind of yeah coming into effect I also then later because of that and then do you know the guy who plays um oh, this is name dropping um the guy who plays uh Ron Weasley's dad in Harry Potter well yeah I don't know his name yeah Mark yeah. something uh because of that course like two weeks later I ended up in a bar singing karaoke with him and like a bunch of other actors from and like one guy from EastEnders and yeah it was, there was a lot of wine that's <laughs> mad like yeah and then he came in to do a tour the next day and I was like trying not to throw up in the back of the <laughs> <laughs> what song did you sing can you remember no <laughs> I, remember. I was do you have a go-to karaoke that, song no <laughs> yeah I love like we didn't straight the fire like I spoke about me a lot what why do you want to do stand up oh god why that's a good question I was like after I finished drama school it just was so I was a bit traumatized after drama school I, think. <laughs> I really 
struggled to audition for things. I kind of like struggled a lot with confidence after. I ended up writing a lot and then meeting people through reviewing for mm. Radio Haha. And then mm. I don't know what point. Oh, there was a point where I kind of thought like I should try this because with stand up, if you want, you, you can literally be on the stage every night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas with acting, you get like something small and or maybe something big, but never consistently whereas you can perform stand up consistently every week acting can really reduce your autonomy as a performer mm. um if you're constantly being you know your voice gets reduced into being this kind of role or this kind of character so we often tell them and like we use like improv so that they can kind of create their own narratives i felt like stand up being a therapy was kind of the same for me it was like getting my voice out there again it's also just a bit of a struggle with being irish which i think is yeah. crazy like when i when I was acting, I'm still not amazing at accents. But the the consensus, oftentimes I was like, always, in Ireland we don't really have like a, a major class thing. But then I moved to England and it's so crazy, the yeah. whole class thing. And auditions, I was getting like the maid. I was always getting, yeah. oh, you can play the maid in this play. And then if you were in Downton Abbey, you're definitely below. Like, yeah, you'd you're, be in the basement. Downstairs. Or what was the last one? The last one was I applied for like a lead as... Um, yeah, and I ended up getting... Instead, he went, you know, you're perfect for this other part. You're going to play the girl from Secretly uh, has a massive drug addiction. Yeah. Like, so I always got, like, really, I don't know, dodgy I, characters. I have a friend who sometimes puts... She's from Newcastle, and she'll sometimes go into an audition and put on an RP accent if she's, like... If she's getting the vibe that this is, like... I think I'll start doing that, because yeah. Irish comedy, then, on the other hand, it's, like, a complete scale. Yeah. Like, if people think you're... You're Irish, know, then you're funny. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's almost like tables are turned from acting to comedy, to, just on where you're from. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that your comedy was stereotypically Irish, weirdly. Even though you talk about being Irish in it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't know. Is that a compliment? <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. Yay! Thank definitely. you. No, it's very uniquely you comedy. I've found when ah, I'm watching it. Thank you. Because you kind of have this quite smart but quite withheld thing. And I would character it like if I was going to be really stereotypical and kind of rude with it, I would be like, Irish comedians in my head would often be quite loud and open, but yours is like quite a, it's like a smart but quite like a held. Yeah. Ah, oh, thank you. Cool. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Can't turn off it. That was the thing. Cause when I first friggin' started that course, I was like, oh, well, it's so many ideas because I didn't care that much. I was just trying it out. Yeah. Now I've finished it, I can't come up with any ideas because I can actually be like, oh no, you might have to perform that. Or, you know, now I have so many limitations on myself. I like being in an environment with other people when I have to do work like that, though. And I think for me, having that weekly meetup was like, it's that thing around, like, I like feeling guilty to work. That's really bad, but I just like, if I have to do something for someone else, it will get done. If I have to do something just for me, I won't ever do it. Because we were having that weekly meetup, and I think that's what we're trying to do with the, like, female comedy collective thing or whatever that turning into i was very confused about that yeah, I, I, I have no I idea what's anyone, happening i think everyone's confused but i think what it is is like trying to have a space where you can kind of sort out comedy but not in doing things on your own in quite a linear way is actually quite a, a patriarchal term of education mm. whereas like if you're gonna look at like feminist approaches to education it would be more collective traditionally yeah i mean there's always arguments against it and it's it's blurry but there's an argument that you're more better suited towards because you're often having to do emotional labor for other people you're more better suited towards like feeling like you need to do stand up in the group and doing it for the group and 
building yeah. it up within other people there not the case i'm just saying it's like a very generalized no we should we should <laughs> even complex. just do like i I know i always have tuesdays off but for a while there was like a group meeting in soho theater on tuesdays oh really oh, i didn't know that okay yeah. never mind <laughs> no, but then that will make you do the work yeah like, oh i know i have to have a meeting i don't have to perform definitely but yeah there's a chance that i will you'll get you the work will come out yeah it makes me feel so sick the whole idea of yeah getting up there and then and then do it and you love it and then you love it for the next few days and then you're like i never want to do it again <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's kind of addictive i think a lot of performers are like that isn't there who was saying this that there, there's a bunch of people that still perform comedy and beforehand they're like i hate it and i want to throw up yeah yeah, yeah i got really bad safe right after the after we did that i like fell asleep for like a week or something <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's mad yeah so do you have any like future plans of where you'd like to be this time next year <laughs> or <laughs> no no <laughs> um no i do want to do so i do research in narcissism and performance have mm-hmm. i told you that i can't remember no not specifically narcissism yeah so i've already written stuff up about narcissism oh my god i would have been a lot more careful had you done that. <laughs> <laughs> no because that's right like the people are always like oh why are you doing that there's good types of narcissism so it's actually like a really useful thing because it's about like acknowledging that it's good for us to feel special about ourselves and that's like the human state being happy like kind of unrealistically happy but that's what humans are that's our yeah. healthy point so i i researched that and then i'm looking at other factors of the dark tetra called uh which is like psychopathy sadism and machiavellianism which i can't say and i can't spell but yeah um, i'm looking at that in terms of performance so i definitely want to go on and do more research i don't really understand how i work as a stand-up yet I definitely like having a voice on stage and having something to say. I don't like writing for me, and I like seeing it in other people, but just for me, I don't like write standing stand up that doesn't have a purpose to it for me. Yeah, so I'm trying to work out what that is, but I don't know where that's going to be in like a year's time. Probably dating another comedian, being like, Ugh, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get so like, what is it about job titles? But when I was younger, I was actually, this is part of my set, you know, I wanted to date a farmer. Yeah. And then I had my electrician. I grew phase. up around farmers, but I have a very different dialogue. <laughs> like, they were stupid, man. <laughs> Other than the one farmer I know, actually, quite well. He's really smart. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you had much feedback? since you've been performing i have but from you know who <laughs> oh really yeah oh my gosh like, no they said it was really good how what ha- no like the video oh, the video well yeah. hey amazing yeah i enforced that no i didn't i just said do you want to see it yeah that's about it i refuse to show people close to me just because of what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> did you have that video online no okay yeah no i wondered about maybe showing like two seconds of it but whether that being like actually useless because i can't show any of it it's so difficult i suppose when you're a teacher you know yeah what I mean? like, yeah that's, that's the main thing yeah like my yeah i have to be really careful sometimes i might post mine but i really hated it i really really, really? hated it and then i loved yours thank you then i showed my family and they were like you're being self-critical yeah but you everyone's always worse on themselves yeah I, all i could see was like everything i forgot sometimes i worry if i like the idea of me as a stand-up more than i like doing the stand-up it's tough because half I the just... people i interviewed with this mm. so talked about what they learned from bombing and like the thing is anytime something's gone badly i've been like maybe this isn't for me but like so many of them say, oh, well, if you're not bombing, you're not trying enough stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't, but yeah, but then people always have like a masochistic approach to like, it's like actors the same, you know, like you got to get through all these like painful auditions and it's like, I don't know. 
like I guess I'm questioning that a lot like I'm questioning what's worth the pain because you can you lose like years of your life to try to do something mm. and hating it all and then what's the point I don't know yeah, yeah. no I do agree with you I would rather just be happy <laughs> but do you think some jobs are like they're kind of like toxic relationships like yeah. what is oh it God, a, yeah. yeah especially in performance world yeah but then people kind of okay it because it's a, a career i think people get attached I, it happens in different ways so some people sometimes well i argue some people use performance work to distance themselves from their current problems sometimes not all the time but i have seen that quite a lot where it's like i'm not gonna deal with this till i'm famous and it's like that is not a good approach to <laughs> sorting your issues out comedians seem to do that a lot as well yeah and some people do it because like that was where they got praised in their upbringing. Mm. I'm talking about people who like don't also just love it because yeah. you do get so when you when you do like train lots of people, you do get and they're great to work with the people who genuinely just love doing the thing and that's like always the healthiest reason to be doing it. And then you get people who've like come into it because they're dyslexic and then that was how they kind of could find themselves or because it's kind of in the right area of what they want to do yeah um and i feel like that was stand up with me at the minute like it's kind of in the right area like i definitely like doing the comedy and finding myself as a comedian i just don't quite know where i actually am with that and who i actually am in that like am i just a straight stand-up or am i actually an improviser really or i don't know oh man i forgot what you asked now sorry <laughs> If um, some jobs are as toxic, yeah. like, or do people okay it because it's a job, you know? Yeah, they do. But we also have a very unformatted form of working, unstructured form of working, mm. where when you study, like, abusive patterns, because that's part of what, what I've studied in the past, um, they call it, like, it's almost like, it's in criminology studies, it's almost like the middle ground of abuse. So the way, the reason I studied this was because of, like, the Harvey Weinstein stuff and things like that. Um, and you get these big instances of abuse that come from these middle acceptances of abuse. So we have fashions for abusive behaviour. So if you look at like James Bond and like the Wolf of Wall Street, those are like arguably fashionable forms of abuse. That exists in the whole of life. But when you have a really open structure, comedy is particularly bad because you guys kind of go away, work stuff stuff on your own, then you meet in this high intense pressure atmosphere and then and then you go back so like you know slight sayings and things seem to get held up as being like these really you know this person said this one thing about me they're clearly xyz and it's not real so when you have that open state it's a lot the swings and roundabouts of of those kind of like natural ways in which humans kind of do bad things they they get a lot worse it is partly just because there there's no way in which we can kind of hold (laughs) you know you can't be like in five years time i'm going to be at this point in my comedy career yeah it doesn't work like that yeah Um, so there's none of that safety net Hmm. um so yeah it is but it's also a factor of just not having structure in place but there's a lot of benefits from it you get a lot of really good people because of that as well i would say like i met so many amazing people on this course yeah you meet incredible people you meet incredibly bad people (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so many people are doing really amazing things like when i was yeah (laughs) you're like what you never said this (laughs) yeah Oh my god. I love with our group in general, there's just a lot of like strong women. Yeah. I think you get that in comedy a lot though. Like I think maybe that's I find myself with the comedy women more. Yeah. When I find myself in spaces like even if they don't even mean to be where it's like slightly kind of that like competitive male thing. Mm. I just find myself being like, Oh I'm out. <laughs> like yeah. this is not my happy space. Yeah. Is there anyone you're watching that you're like Oh, I you love, love what they're Brady. doing. Oh, really? I love Fern Brady so much. And she comes out and she she's so... So I don't... Sorry, my parents are divorced and I grew up on a council estate and I also grew up in like quite a nice house in the countryside. 
Fern Brady is so the council estate from Scotland, and I love that about her. Like, and that's really maybe I shouldn't say that, but yeah, no, she's really quick and really funny and really smart, and that was what I spent a lot of time growing up with, and I really love having that back in my life. I've not seen her yet. Unfortunately. She's really good. <laughs> yeah, so many people love her. Like, um, yeah, she's really hot at the minute. As so is Kerry Pitchard McLean. I also love uh, May. Is it May Martin? Yeah, yeah. yeah I love um, Alex. Edelman, he's. I always just find his comedy really smart. You're going to see a couple of shows like next couple of months, right? Yeah, Kima Bob. I really love Kima Bob, but I very, very stupidly like they had the Black Friday sale, and I very stupidly didn't get it. Yeah, I, I didn't thought, get anything. I thought if I went, like got into I'm the next see... course, I would get like the discount tickets or whatever. Uh, um, I know people who still use the discount tickets somehow. Oh man. Yeah, I would. I'll hit you up with. Who <laughs> <uses> <laughs> I really, really want to see Sarah Keezer and oh yeah, um, definitely Helen Bearer. I've seen Tom Mayhew next week. Yeah, I've not seen Janine Harun. Oh, she performed at the All Female Comedy Night. Yeah, called Nasty. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> she opened it. And she's so good. She's amazing, but she's so like clean cut. So she did like a perfectly rounded fifteen minute set. Yeah, I feel she, like I need that in my life. I just don't have my own I haven't worked out mm. how I do that yet yeah <laughs> like when you have something like I suppose I would bring mine back every Start so often to out, road yeah. frontage where like I start off with road frontage and then I end with, you know something with I don't know whatever some similar topic mm. like a 5, 10, 15 minute version <laughs> it's so exhausting yeah um, there seems to be something in the like the way that you structure comedy and developing that to a certain point it's not actually correlated with you necessarily being a really good comedian, but it's helpful. So, mm. I yeah, if I was to analyse, I would definitely split it up between how you perform on stage and then how you develop a kind of um, score for your comedy. I don't know. I just don't know why I found it so interesting you said score. Yeah, it's like a music score. Yeah. So you play off it. That's yeah. so cool. Okay, so two questions I always ask in this podcast. Okay. First one is, what advice would you give to your teenage self? Is there something you would change? Oh, my God. Oh, I've been through, oh, man, yeah. I don't, oh, man, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my teenage self, d- does it, do you have, like, an age in mind? Normally, I do, like, focus a bit more on people's childhood, but since yeah. you're thinking that you're going to study history, there's normally a changing point, I think, in that you, like, a lot of people had a moment, they kind of thought, well, you know, is this for me? Or they had a mentor that changed their life, or, you know, like your sister in this case, I suppose. And I had a really good history teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Love my sister, but she's just not getting that credit. <laughs> but I think there was a, like, um, there has been like a common theme of moments, kind of people thought, like, and a lot of it is yeah. really, really simple, like, just do it, or, you know, work on your confidence. <laughs> or one guy said, one guy said, start working out now this, so that you, <laughs> you feel more confident. That's a funny one. I was, and I told you this earlier, so I feel like, and I'm trying to talk about it, but it's a weird thing to talk about. So I, I told you earlier, I almost died when I was 19. And I, I'm trying to, like, kind of find a purpose for that, which is stupid because it doesn't actually exist. But I had, like, the phase of, like, you're not there yet, like, you're still alive. And it for me, it's like telling her that like it doesn't get better like, it doesn't but that doesn't mean it's not there's not a point to it and I'm so proud of how I just stuck to my guns like I've never other than going to Birmingham which was me not sticking my, to my guns I should have applied to drama schools and I didn't but in like all the difficult decisions I've made I've always stuck to my guns and I'm really proud of that looking back yeah and it's not been easy and I've been a dickhead to some people because of it but I'm so proud of that dickhead <laughs> yeah yeah what do you mean by sticking to your guns like 
oh, just so like um when I finished my degree I just started getting to a point with like friends who I felt were nice people just walking away and I felt like a dickhead but I just got to a point of like why are you bothering a lot of people when I first did, uh, first went to Central a lot of people were like you should go into straight acting what are you doing and I was like no this is right for me I walked a lot of, I walked away a lot from things that should like people socially it should have been that should have been right like you should have done that thing I'm not very good at relationships so I walk away from relationships all the time but that's but when I get into a relationship, it's really good. It's like it's like I I get like my the two the two men that I've dated long term of both. I still think they're both incredible people. So it's that kind of just like, but then people tell me they're not, and there's things like that, and just sticking to like no, you know, you do know, yeah, that feeling of like no, this course, this this guy, this situation is right for me. I'm not stupid. Yeah, because <laughs> I used to think I was stupid. And then I did my course, and then I was like, oh, no, I'm just smart in this, like, one way and stupid in every other way. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I do find it, like, I find it so hard to trust my instincts. Yeah. You know, because maybe it was, like, people are more threatened by someone that knows their own mind. Yeah, they are. Um, I I think knowing your own mind can offend people sometimes. Like, people get really offended by swearing. My own mind swears a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I oh my God. love swearing. Yeah, so people do take offence at it, but I think I've gotten to a point now where it's like, so? <laughs> I'm not yeah. there yet all the time. I do worry about it. I'm like, so? And then we'll go away and still be thinking about it like six weeks later. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. that was, yeah. yeah, I get what you mean. We had like this thing with the whole, the common light in North London, mm. being like, don't let anyone say this word, this word, this word. Oh, really? Because people you can't are doing... police language. Yeah. Especially in stand-up. And they're doing me like a massive favour yeah. by coming to North London these are like my friends and it's like not that it's not a massive venue so there's no capacity to make much money out of it so it's more like I just, for me the policing of swearing is a very middle class thing and and if you're religious then I get it if you're religious I will have and you tell me not to swear around you because it's you know an offense to your religion like my need to swear is not above that like that's fine mm. if you're like a middle class person and I am middle class so like fuck it but if you're like a middle class person telling someone else not to swear because they want to swear, then you're just being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love swearing. My other second okay. question is, what story would you tell in Graham Norton's red chair? Ah, uh, oh god, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> I get myself into trouble a lot, and it's really good fun. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Ah, uh, wait. I, if you're Graham Norton, what would you want to know about? I'd want to know if it was, I suppose, bombing stories or moments where you've kind of, like, done something out of the ordinary or sometimes it's been, like, people telling the most embarrassing moments of their life. And then <laughs> others it's just been, like, like one guy had an action figure made about him. and What? Yeah, that, so it wasn't, like, a, a cringy story, but it was like, what? Yeah, that's that was my exact reaction. <laughs> I my bombing stories are bad like they're just they're like not particularly interesting bombs they're just like really bad we have people walking out a lot in terms of like weird things that happened I'm weirdly in Little Britain um, oh, just by walking about yeah but I was like seven so it doesn't really count we used to be one of my favourite stories I don't know why this one stuck with me and I probably shouldn't be talking about it because I reckon it's still going on when I was at Birmingham I so I play the drums Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to work for the Jazz Society and we were the front for a drug run <laughs> I mean it wasn't us doing the drug run <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was a great 
student deal because what would happen was this pub would they'd let us play all the time they would come and pick up our stuff which would be like down the road but really heavy like we had so many instruments i don't know why that they'd managed to just buy loads of like really bad instruments over the years fair enough it was great and then they'd drop us off and then they'd it would just be dodgy there'd be like all these men come and help us take the instruments into into the place and we would perform but i would get free drinks and free food all the time and as a student it was great i used to take so many people on dates (laughs) because because i could get us drunk for free and then they would want to pay and i'd be like i don't worry about it and then pretend that i paid because i wouldn't tell them yeah (laughs) yeah so i just made that up (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know i would love to do that yeah <laughs> I, once, I once told a lawyer that story and he was like um he's like, i think you would have been fine if you've never seen anything and i was like yeah i mean all we did was just not tell the police okay yeah <laughs> so i'm like I'm, I'm very out of being cool in that world especially like when i moved to london but still i'm so like green because my mom's drug and alcohol addiction counselor oh really so <laughs> yeah, she it. terrified yeah. me growing up and i was my like, mom's a midwife Oh God. The amount of baby stories. Oh, yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> she asked me if I was pregnant the other week because I felt sick. <laughs> you know, I mean, just like no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> oh God. Oh um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was saying. Okay, I'm not in. That's a good. That's a good yeah. story. I have a lot of like. I've stupidly dated a lot of really not. Over, like like zedless celebrities. <laughs> yeah, that's my other one. It's like I don't know how I keep doing that. But, like, people before they get to the Z-list status. Nah. Nah. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it. Okay, good. <laughs> it was not worth it. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Where can people follow you if they want to keep up with what you're doing? My my social media is a bit weird because I'm a teacher. <laughs> I sometimes get angry and tweet things at Chloe and Kennedy. My Instagram is very boring. Don't bother with that. Yeah, probably Twitter is the big one. Okay. Yeah. Follow Chloe on Twitter. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much again. All right. Thank you for having me. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.